can the Cardinals put up enough points against this new shiny Chicago Bears defense? Lauren Cox, Locked on Bears, joins me for Crossover Thursday. You are Locked on Cardinals. Your daily Arizona Cardinals podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into this Crossover Thursday Locked On Bears, Locked On Cardinals podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Lauren Cox from Locked On Bears, along with Alex Clancy from Locked On Cardinals. And our Crossover Thursday podcast today is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use our promo code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Alex, it's the marquee matchup of the season, certainly of the weekend. Everyone's going to be tuning in. I don't know if you saw the picture of the the broadcast map for like where in the country this game is going to be broadcast, but there's like a little circle over Chicago and a little <laughs> circle over Arizona, and the rest of the country gets to watch a much better game at, at 3.30. But hey, you'll be watching. I'll be watching. Our listeners will be watching. What will you be watching for? What's the big storyline for the Arizona Cardinals? It's not going to be Mark Sanchez calling the game. I'll tell you what, that is going to be a fantastic Chicago Bears-centric broadcast. Mark Sanchez has this huge, just, uh, he's very passe, he's very off-putting by, you know, talking about the Arizona Cardinals. So enjoy that, Bears fans. He, he's For a, me, he's a former Chicago Bears quarterback, and they just did the last Bears game. So they'll have a lot of Chicago Bears on his mind, that's for sure. Oh, sweet. Fantastic. I mean, at least he won't be, you know, louding over Christian McCaffrey, whatever the hell it was that he called the last one for the Cardinals. Um, anyways, uh, biggest storyline for the Cardinals is it's the we can we're adults here, like it's the existential crisis of win or lose. We as you as you're looking towards the 2024 draft with a Washington professional football team sitting at four wins, the Bears sitting at five, and the Cardinals sitting comfortably in the three spot. It's like, what are you rooting for? And I'm always rooting for the Cardinals to win because I think having a quarterback one is more important than a high draft pick. So with that, the biggest storyline is Kyler Murray versus that new vaunted upstart Chicago Bears defense that we've grown and loved since the 80s. You know, it doesn't matter if they have a quarterback, they've always got a good defense. And you've kind of lost that over the last couple of seasons here and there. But acquiring Montez Sweat, extending him, and having that defensive front now is something that the Cardinals have faced all year. Their entire season, pretty much, has been tough front sevens. And this is just another one. And if Kyler Murray's going to be quarterback one for the future, um, it's not going to get easier for him. So this is that's my biggest storyline. It's can Kyler Murray have some actual offensive production that's not garbage time like it was last week. Is Kyler Murray in a similar position as Justin Fields to where he's sort of auditioning for himself and, you know, 30 or probably 20 other teams that could use a quarterback? Or, like, what's his – I don't know if you call it a hot seat when it's a QB, but, like, what's his – what kind of foundation is he standing on in Arizona right now? Yeah, that's a good question, Lauren. And I think you answered it yourself, and this is something that – you know, like, when uh, there's a guy, you know, a guy or a girl you're friends with, and you're like, I don't know if I want to be with this person. Check their DMs after you break up. That's how popular they are. And I'm assuming at least 15 teams would want Kyler Murray. So why would the Cardinals not? And it's something I think it's kind of a – you can't see the forest through the trees, especially there's a lot of fans who never thought Kyler Murray was the guy. Very few people, quarterbacks, make the Pro Bowl two years out of the four, was offensive rookie of the year. Um, they started you know, 10-2 a couple years ago. I know it's kind of an Uncle Rico moment now at this point, but it's – he's shown flashes of what he could be. 
And I think he's been held back by Cliff Kingsbury towards ACL. And now here we are. Like, I don't think he's auditioning. I think it's his job. And the one thing that people overlook is if he's not and they stink it up in 2024, you move on from him then. Like, there's – I just – to answer your question, I don't think his seat's hot. I think Jonathan Gannon and Monty Osford love him, and I think this offense is perfect for him. He's just got to dust the cobwebs off and, and play a little bit better. I can hear the same frustration in your voice that I hear a lot talking about Justin Fields. It's like, it's like you know, Chicago has been so starved for a quarterback with any sort of decent quality of play for so long, and now there's one sitting in front of you that's certainly not, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Gerald Burrow level, but is better than most of what we've seen at the quarterback position in my entire lifetime, and it's <laughs> it's sitting right there for you, and it's like, well, but... Those other young upstart quarterbacks certainly could be better or they could be a lot worse. And it's that it's that again, like forest for the trees thing. Like what's what's really important to you? Is it the flexibility to get your own guy and to, you know, sort of reset the quarterback contract timeline because Field is coming up towards the end of his rookie deal? You know, is that more important? Or do you say, screw it, we've got something at the quarterback position that we think we can win with. Let's keep going all in on that and building around that. And I think for Fields, it is a little bit more of an audition at this point. We don't know specifically how the general manager feels publicly. There's been some loose reporting from, you know, you never know exactly like how firm some of the reporting is that they are still sort of evaluating and are still kind of waiting to see what these final three games look because that's been the thing with Justin Fields. It's it's about consistency, right? We've seen the highest of the highs and the the big-time plays. You're like, wow, not very many quarterbacks can do that. But it's about either doing that more or just doing better quarterbacking more consistently. So it's not just a couple of big flashes and then not as great the rest of the time, but it's like big flashes and then quality quarterbacking the rest of the time. That's what you've been kind of looking for. And so while like three games at the end of the season – shouldn't necessarily sway your whole evaluation of fields. If you can get like three consistent games, that's all of a sudden like building a track record and foundation of like, oh, things do seem to be settling in properly. And this team can then feel more confident moving forward with him after just these three games, as opposed to the previous, you know, two full seasons now that he's been a starter. Yeah, man. I mean, that's well put. And I, you're talking in my brain. I mean, this is kind of <laughs> what it's been like with Kyler now. Um, there was always that crutch of he's winning in spite of Cliff Kingsbury. You see me in the Twitter locked on NFL DMs. Oh, I've been very basically consistent on it's because of Kyler and in spite of Cliff. And I think with Justin Fields, much like Kyler, I call them the oh my god moments, the moments that very few quarterbacks that you witness through quarterbacks. And a lot of Justin Fields were you know, running the ball the last first couple of years where he had just that massive tear, but it's how he does it. It's Lamar Jackson. Like he's a big dude who can run over corners. He's faster than all hell. And when he gets an open space, he can take it to the house at any given time. Kyler Murray's a little bit different. He doesn't have that gazelle like speed. He's more like, I don't know. Like when you used to get a boost in MOB for guys who could run really fast around the bases, that's what Kyler Murray's like, you know, but the, Oh my God moments with huge valleys in between, that's coaching. And that's also the first in, last out kind of mentality that a quarterback needs to have in an effort to breed more of those moments. And I think that's what's frustrating with both of these quarterbacks is there should be more of those moments than we've seen, but the ones that we've seen are holy bleep, where has that been? And very few quarterbacks in the NFL can actually breed one of those moments 
let alone, you know, a bevy of them asking where, why there's so much absent between the two. And you know? much, much like Kyler Murray, Bears fans are sitting in Chicago feeling like, oh yeah, co- offensive coaching, definitely part of the problem here. It's a matter of like, is that all of the problem or how much of the problem is also Justin Fields' own mistakes? Unfortunately, that coaching is still going to be part of this for the Bears on Sunday against the Arizona Cardinals. Same offensive coordinator still for the last three games of the season. The Bears have said... You know, we're sticking with it despite some offensive struggles. So we'll get into more specifically what we might expect from both of these offensive coordinators attacking these two defenses and some of the matchups that will decide this game as we continue our crossover Thursday Locked on Bears, Locked on Cardinals podcast. This crossover Thursday podcast is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. If you haven't played with FanDuel before, now is a great time to get in on the action because All new customers, with your first bet, you can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. You bet $5 on any team straight up to win, not against the spread, but just head-to-head. Right now, it's Bears minus 200 as the favorites in this game, or Cardinals plus 186. You put $5 on either of those teams to win. If they win, you get your winnings for having won your bet and an extra $150 in bonus bets from FanDuel. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action, and you're running out of time because we only got three NFL games left this season. Check out their app. It's safe, easy to use, super secure, and a lot of different ways you can play with those $150 in bonus bets. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get in on the action before this NFL season runs out. All right, Lauren Cox and Alex Clancy here with you on Crossover Thursday, Bears and Cardinals, getting you ready for the battle of the, the two juggernauts of the NFC, two teams fighting for that top spot of the draft order, not the playoff push. <laughs> and Alex, you mentioned a little bit like Kyler Murray's faced a lot of front sevens this season that have been a challenge for him. Uh, how much of that has just been the offensive line struggling to block? And, and how much of that has been like legitimately like guys being able to disrupt Kyler Murray when it comes to like blitzing and just being really effective in coverage and shutting down the running game? Yes. All of the above. <laughs> I love answering subjective questions with yes. Yes. Um, it's a little bit everything. And unfortunately, I can still use my reason for him, you know, a month removed from coming back from, you know, an ACL tear and rehab and everything like that. An offensive line with guys that he hasn't really played with, aside from DJ Humphreys and um and Will Hernandez at right guard, Paris Johnson Jr. being a rookie right tackle, and also, I mean, playing Houston, playing Atlanta playing San Francisco, like they're not all juggernaut defenses. The Cardinals have put up some points. And I think with a new offense, like these all sound like excuses and they're starting to really sound like excuses for me, but I still believe that there are reasons as to why he hasn't performed at an elite level at this point through five games, two and three, seven touchdowns in five games. Like the thing about Kyler Murray, and it's been exacerbated by the fronts that he's faced and him running for his life at times is he doesn't have to be a stat stuffer to be worth the contract that's given to him. You know, he he can be an, an elevated game manager with oh-my-God moments, and that's better than most quarterbacks in the league or ever. So that's kind of where I am with him. But to answer your question, like, yeah, man, I mean, Will Anderson's good at football. You know, Nick Bosa and Chase Young, they're good at football. And it's just difficult. And Atlanta's defense is very underrated. And, you know, that's just kind of what it's been without going too much into detail because we've got 38 other things to talk about. 
Yeah, I'm curious, how has Paris Johnson Jr. been? I know for the Bears, like, leading up to the draft, there was a lot of interest in him. They ended up getting Darnell Wright. Instead, I think maybe they would have taken, I mean, they claimed Darnell Wright was their number one tackle, but I wonder if they would have taken Paris Johnson. How, how has that been? I mean, built in with the fact that they got an extra first, and they and they moved back up, moved down, got a first, moved back up, didn't have to give that first up, was, was I mean, Monte Osifor was was a wizard on a, on draft night, but... There's a couple things with a first-round pick, and you very well know this, that as long as you don't say, oh, no, right away, like, oh, God, this guy's not a first-round pick, which happens. A lot of times with the receivers, corners, things like that, it, much more difficult positions to produce and, and quantify that. Stars can be just fine. He played every snap. He hasn't made any egregious holding penalties against – he's played all year. The fronts they've played all season – I mean, Washington in week one, they're going to play Montez Sweat again. You know, they've played very difficult teams, especially with their fronts. And Paris Johnson, the Cleveland, I mean, Paris Johnson Jr., Pittsburgh, has played very well, okay? He's still a rookie, but he didn't have the, oh, no, what have we done? Look, he hasn't had that at all. And that is a huge step in the right direction, especially for a top 10 pick with the Arizona Cardinals drafting it because this is Steve Kimes' first time not being in that room in a decade. So he's been great. Yeah, I, I glanced back at week one, and Paris Johnson, this PFF didn't have him with a sack hit or hurry allowed at all in week one. And I know that's not all 100% Montez Sweat. They'll move him back and forth on both sides, but still right. ho- holding up very well there. And I certainly think the Bears will go after that matchup again this time around. And the way you describe Paris Johnson there is, is perfectly describing Darnell Wright, if, if, if your listeners are curious. Like, yeah, he, has he played like a Pro Bowler? No, but he's, he's never been a disaster. There's some penalties here and there and some ups and downs, but never the oh-no moment. Like, he looks like he belongs, and you'd be patient with first-round picks and certainly offensive tackles playing against some, some really good yeah. opponents this season. Um, what, about, what about in this Cardinals secondary? You know, the Bears, the Bears offense has struggled quite a bit this season. They've been able to run the ball pretty well against most teams, but the passing game obviously has had some some limitations there. And I just saw the, the stat that Justin Fields' average yards of separation for receivers this season is the lowest of any quarterback in the NFL. DJ Moore's been great. Everyone else has been pretty much underwhelming. I know the Cardinals seem to be fairly healthy on the back end, at least as it stands right now. I know some guys on injured reserve, but like not guys that are like in and out of the lineup right now, but, but also... Younger there at the cornerback spot. What's kind of, what's kind of the what's kind of the story there? It's not great, Bob. <laughs> you know, it's uh. Let me. So it was a it was a position that was decidedly pushed to twenty twenty four to improve. They didn't add any money to that in free agency. Anything of note? They drafted Garrett Williams. Third round pick out of Syracuse who tore his ACL, I think, in December. And that's why, by all the draft pundits that I trust, he would have been a fringe late first rounder if he was healthy to start the season. So the Cardinals may have got a gem there. No oh-my-God moments from him, or no oh-no moments from him. He came in, he had two picks in his first three weeks. Uh, the dude looks like he belongs in the NFL. And in the cornerback position, that's tough. Um, Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson are the stars, the safety, the best duo, in the, you know, the best tandem that the Cardinals have in any position group. And um, they have a tough task especially with the Cardinals pass rush being non-existent. Let me just tell you about DJ Moore, and you can ask Vinny Iyer of, you know, of Locked on Fantasy if I'm right here. I'm going into my semifinal matchup, okay? I'm starting the Chicago Bears defense and DJ Moore with the most excitement that I've ever had. And I started Christian McCaffrey last week against the Cardinals defense. That catapulted me to this. So DJ Moore has been the most underrated receiver in the NFL pretty much after his rookie year on. Nobody even talks about him because he was in Carolina. All the dude does is produce. That's all he does. 
And if he gets the 10, 12 targets and he deserves every week, he's going to be a pro bowler every year. So that's what scares me the most going into this matchup against the secondary because ain't nobody going to be able to stop him. It's just not going to happen. So it's going to have to be curtailed by them getting after the quarterback, which hasn't been their strong suit this year either. Do you want to play a quick game? Guess guess how many games yeah. this season DJ Moore has had double-digit targets? I'm going to guess one. It's actually three, but that's still okay. like that's still not anywhere close to enough for him. Like he's hit he's hit nine a handful of times, so it's not that desperate. But it's like, yeah, you say like, oh man, if they just gave him ten to twelve targets every week, he'd be a Pro Bowler. We're also they're going like, yeah, wouldn't that be nice? It would sure would be nice if you're to get double digit targets every single week. And it, it certainly it's not yeah. Justin Fields not looking for him. It's just passing game limitations and certainly like conceptually like the Bears offensive corner last week it was third and five and they ran a slot fade for Darnell Mooney where DJ Moore was like the curl on the outside and then like clearly designing a play where DJ Moore is essentially a decoy and Darnell Mooney is the one running deep and it's just like what earlier in the season they ran a pick route where DJ Moore set the pick for Cole Komet to get Cole Komet open on a third eye it's just like it's stuff like that where it's like, why are we not taking the best playmaker on your team and like making him the priority instead of like using him as a decoy or just someone who's going to get in the way so that we can get the ball to fine players in Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney, but not like utilizing your skills. Let I'm me, sure those are the kind let of me ask you a question with... about is, is Darnell Mooney hit Kadarius Tony land? Like, is there any trust? I'm not even talking about the Hail Mary. Hail yeah. Mary's tough, man. Yeah. Hail Mary's there's so many things happening at once. It's easy when you slow it down. He probably should have caught it, but doesn't matter. Like he, I've seen drops from him because I watch the Bears because I have the ticket and I, I liked watching Justin Fields and DJ Moore. Is he trustworthy at all, or is it just Cole Komet and DJ Moore the Cardinals gonna have to worry about? Um, so this this past week was the worst it's been against the Browns, and so like if you'd ask me that, like he's had a down year all year. So if you'd ask me that tw- a week ago, I would have said no. He's just they just haven't really gotten him going. But you know, but no, he's legit. Like dropping passes and, like, kind of poor effort running back to the ball on scramble drills and, like, as a run-blocking play. where he, And, like, that's not stuff we were used to from Darnell Mooney. He, like, came in as the hard worker dude who will do all the dirty work and do everything you want. So it feels to me like there's something more going on here, like, off the field or, you know, some per- maybe some personal with him that we don't have any we don't have any knowledge of or know it, and it's not our business. But to me, it's, there's something more than just scheme here that's causing problems where I think Fields still trusts him and is still going to go to him, but... There's no reason for the Cardinals defense at this point to be scared of like the Darnell Mooney breakout game that's still waiting. Like I, it feels to me like we're past that point. He's gonna just kind of quietly enter free agency and play somewhere else next year. And it's unfortunate because we like Darnell Mooney. But he's still he's still like so. Say let's go to the fantasy implications. Yeah. Like say you know you take a flyer on him. No, but you wouldn't at this point. But say you would. But he's he's a one play wins you one play meet validates the start kind of guy, right? So I mean he can catch a wide receiver screen in the house, right? He's a fast dude, he just hasn't been given or hasn't taken advantage of opportunities this year. Or is, yeah. cause I always remember he's a fast dude that they just wreaked havoc in the middle of the field. Yeah, he's a great route runner. He's got great speed. Like he's certainly not big by any means, but like right. yeah, he's he's he is a weapon for sure. And like he almost nailed that slot fade on that third and five. Like it feels just barely overshot him. And that could have been a fifty yard touchdown bomb. Like it's it is in him, but it's just we th- he was a thousand yard guy three years ago. Like we thought, oh, like yeah. maybe never a true number one, but a really solid number two receiver for your long term future. We were talking contract extension before this season, and now it's like, you know, he's probably going to get a minimum deal somewhere next year. I mean, or maybe a, a, just a low level kind of deal to bounce back his career. It's just, it's tough. I hope I hope he can turn some things around for him. But I'm just not. It, it's it's Cole it's Cole Komet and DJ Moore, and that's that's kind of it. Everyone else is a, a crapshoot at this point. So. 
makes it a little easier for the Cardinals defense. Maybe that can maybe that can have an impact on the final score here. We'll go through some of our predictions for this upcoming game and what's going to be, I'm sure, just a brutal game in a lot of different ways. And we'll kind of <laughs> see what we can expect and what it'll take for either of these teams to pull one out on Sunday as we continue our crossover Thursday, Locked on Bears, Locked on Cardinals. Our crossover Thursday is brought to you by our friends at DoorDash, the best way to get all of your favorites delivered right to your door, whether it's groceries, I even see like Walgreens and stuff is on there if you need like just like convenience store type stuff, or of course, your favorite meals from around your area. DoorDash is, is a super convenient way to not have to leave the comfort of your own home, but still be able to enjoy all of your favorite classics, including supporting local businesses in your area. Before we started the podcast, Alex and I were talking, there are Portillo's in Arizona and in Chicago. So if you want, I know this game's in Chicago, but if you're in Arizona and want a little taste of the taste of the Chicago, you can get the Italian beef or maybe a nice hot dog. Or apparently, Alex, the chocolate cake at Portillo's is supposed to be everything they'd say and more. Yeah. I mean, you don't, we don't talk a lot about cake and hot dogs in the same sentence, but the chocolate cake there divine if i if i can say that I, I can't say i've had it but i've it's been it's been raved to me a few different times and so i guess i'll have to try it at some point and i could doordash yep. it right to my house and if you want to try it for yourself you can use our promo code lock 23 to save some money on your doordash right now you can get 50 percent off up to a 10 dollar value when you spend 15 dollars or more on your first order when you download the doordash app and enter in our promo code locked 23 subject to change terms apply don't forget that code, L-O-C-K-E-D-23, for 50% off your your first order up to a $10 value when you download the DoorDash app and enter that promo code LOCKED23. All right, as we wrap up our crossover Thursday, Locked on Bears, Locked on Cardinals with Alex Clancy from Locked on Cardinals. I'm Lauren Cox from Locked on Bears. Alex, I know you're torn a little bit about... You know, how much do, do Cardinals fans even want the Cardinals to win this game? And there are certainly some Bears fans that don't want the Bears to win this game because if the Cardinals win, it gives them a better shot at the Panthers having the number one overall pick. So certainly I think generally Bears fans are, uh, there's only three games left. You might as well win them anyway. But from a Cardinals perspective, like what do you think it would take for Arizona to get another win in this game? Yeah, you know, going into, because uh, listen, you know, the existential crisis is real. Like, because, you know, we're working the media and we talk about games like, you don't, and this is kind of just breaking the fourth wall here, you don't talk about wanting the team you cover to lose for a draft pick for next. It's just not, it, people don't think like that. You know, all of these guys on the field, all the employees who wear uniforms, their job could be in jeopardy if they draft a high pick next year. Like, it, it's a completely counterintuitive way to think about it. Sure, with their draft capital, would it be better if they lose for their capital next year? Yeah, but you want to see your team win because it shows proof of concept for the future. Um, now, with the Cardinals, like they, they beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. That was that was the most surprising win, and they won in pretty convincing fashion. There were 48 re- weather delays that took 17 hours to finish, but the Cardinals won in fairly convincing fashion, even though you know Kenny Pickett went out and Mitch Trubisky came in. Your boy. Um <laughs> it's you know what they need to do is run the ball effectively with James Connor, set up the play action, and feed the beast that is tight end one Trey McBride. Now he's the wide receiver one. He's the best offensive player, not in Kyler Murray that they have. And that was the last gift that Steve Kime gave, even though there was, they had no business drafting a a damn tight end with what they needed two years ago, but it's worked out. And that's, I mean, that's it. And defensively, you got to get after Justin Fields. You got to make him throw those Aaron throws, turn the ball over once or twice. Like that's how the Cardinals have to win games. It's been the path to victory all year. Win the turnover battle. Don't turn the ball over. 
and and hopefully run the ball instead of play action. Well, the Bears are coming off a game where they just gave up 100 yards to David Njoku. They've had mixed results against tight ends this season. Kind of depends on how much the opposing offense really prioritizes them. But they've, but it's definitely a, an area where I think you can find some space to work against this this defense. Like as much as as much as the Bears are playing really well defensively, it's it's largely the final four minutes of each half where they completely fall apart, and, and that's where the Cardinals have to strike. It's the two minute drill. Like like the Bears were they picked off like two weeks ago they picked off Joe Flacco three times plus a pick six. I guess, and, and then still, like, gave up 200 yards in the fourth quarter and let him come back and win. Like, that's – it's very much Jekyll and Hyde defense there. And a lot of that at the end was was David and Joku kind of catching it and running over guys and powering through. And when you've got a young secondary especially, then guys like that can, you know, miss tackles a little bit more easily against a big, strong tight end like that that sure. can give you some trouble. And it, it ends up really being uh, – Really being a little bit tricky for for this defense when it could be a mirage when the defense plays so well and then and then falls apart at the end, largely because the offense couldn't keep up with what was otherwise a defensive performance that should have handed it to you on a silver platter. And that, that's kind of what it comes down to to the Bears in this game is like, can the offense on its own score 20 points without a you know, without a defensive touchdown? Like, can they can they score more than one touchdown? Like against the Browns, they had one touchdown drive that started at the one yard line. It was a four play, three minute touchdown drive from the one yard line after an interception that got driven back to the, like it was one. It wasn't a ninety nine yard drive. It was a one yard drive that they struggled to even get in the end zone. And mm-hmm. when you've got somebody like Justin Fields. It really shouldn't be that hard to get one yard. Cam Newton could get one yard automatically every single time he was at the goal line. Like not that they're exactly the same player, but it's like you have big, strong, fast quarterback weapon. It, it shouldn't be that hard, and it is for the Bears. So, like, they need to run the ball, stay ahead of the sticks, avoid negative plays offensively. Last week against the Browns, they kept handing it off for a two-yard loss, and it was the yeah. first time the running game really got slowed down, and then you get second and third long, and then Fields has to try and make magic happen with maybe one good receiver on the team, and it becomes that much more difficult. So if they can just kind of keep things moving forward and then not take the foot off the gas at all on either side of the ball, like, I think that's the that's the formula here. It's, like, really kind of shut down Kyler Murray, make life easy for Justin Fields, and kind of stumble your way into another victory against a team that you really feel like you should beat. And if the Bears lose this game, ooh, that's, uh, for as much as they've played, like, they've played playoff teams really close the last handful of weeks. They beat the Vikings, they beat the Lions, they almost beat the Browns. Like, they feel like they can play with anybody. So they need to show that they're significantly better than a team at the bottom of the standings in, in the Arizona Cardinals. Where does that leave you prediction-wise? How, how close do you think it'll be? How, how bad do you think it'll be? Where do you, what do you sort of see happening in this game? If it's a high-scoring game, the Cardinals win. If it's a low-scoring game, they don't. And I think that's the only way. Like, they're going to have to outscore this team. And the Cardinals' offense hasn't been great. They put up a 29-burger last week, but seven of it was was a garbage-time drive at the end of the game. First drive of the game, the Cardinals have been very good scripting their first, not even 20 plays, their first drive has been excellent. I think they've scored touchdowns on at least two of the five opening drives since Kyler Murray come, has come back. And they, they marched right down the field against the 49ers last week and had a two or three yard James Conner touchdown run. Um, but if it's ugly, even though the Cardinals have won ugly, they've been close ugly this year, that defense for the Chicago Bears is Kyler Murray threw a pick six last week. Um, and it's that's gonna be problematic. But if they I mean if if this game is in the forties, I think the Cardinals have a very good chance. The the Bears don't know how to do anything but ugly in these games. And <laughs> 
right. have scored above, have scored 30 or more points in a game twice this season, and it's been two months. So this is, yeah. I would be very, I mean, never say never, but I'd be very surprised to see like super high scoring. I know the, the Cardinals off, the Cardinals defense is not great either, but like it's the kind of thing where it's even if the Bears start to light it up offensively, they will take their foot off the gas. That's just what they do. It happened the first game against the Lions. They got up to like 26 points and then, yeah, slow down and let the Lions come back and win at the end because they just were like, yeah, we'll just we'll we'll hand off on third and eight and we'll punt on fourth and two. Whatever, not a big deal. We're winning, right? We we win all the time. We can handle this, yeah. and obviously uh, <laughs> they don't. But that's that's again more the like the problem and the frustration with this team. So, so I, I'm with me, you there. Let me ask you a question. Yeah, I'm going to cut you off on purpose. I'm, this is a curveball. We didn't talk about this, but we didn't talk about this before we recorded. Both the Cardinals and the Bears have been in contention for the first overall pick all year. Caleb Williams is looked to be the bona fide golden child of this draft. Okay. Let me ask you about him just really quick. I know we have two minutes before Ross Jackson gets mad at us. Okay. <laughs> we have, in my opinion, regardless of how good he's been. And for those who've seen draft day, okay. You know who Bo Callahan is. Okay. If you haven't watched draft day, watch it. It's the worst. It's the best worst movie ever. Okay. Yeah. And the reason for Bo Callahan, the whole thing about Bo Callahan was he was the number one overall pick. He was bona fide. He was going to go number one. And then they found out that none of his part, none of his teammates went to his birthday party. And they're like, they're trying to figure out what's wrong with this guy. What's wrong with this guy? Caleb Williams has shown nothing, in my opinion, leadership wise, as a teammate, anything to show that he has the intestinal ability to lead a team without being complete jerk. Now, am I – and I know I'm talking about a 21-year-old kid or 22-year-old kid who's going to mature, he's going to grow up. Like, he's been had a lot of pressure on him ever since – pretty much ever since he transferred from, from Oklahoma to USC. Do you see that? Or if Justin Fields isn't the guy, is Caleb Williams 100% the guy at number one overall, barring any sort of random, you know, Carolina Panthers winning two out of their last three games? Yeah, I'm, I'm not – I'm not there on Caleb Williams as the golden, the bona fide golden boy. Like I, I'm, I, I still think he can be a very good NFL quarterback, but like to put him in the Andrew Luck kind of category of like, oh man, we don't have guys yeah, like yes. this ever. Like, yeah. eh. to to me, like it's 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 an intriguing enough quarterback class overall between you know Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, maybe maybe JJ McCarthy, but you know, there's a lot of different guys in this class, and if if Shador Sanders were to come out, like where it's like, I don't feel like I need to specifically have the number one overall pick to get a quarterback I might like this year. And honestly, if I'm the Bears, like, priority number one is trade down, but, like, I wouldn't rule out taking a quarterback still, but it doesn't got to be with the number one overall pick. Like, the number one overall pick is so valuable to trade down with. Let somebody else be super desperate for that one guy. Go get your one guy. And then maybe there's two or three other guys in this class that I like pretty close to Caleb Williams, and I can get him at five and still get a haul for that number one overall pick and keep Justin Fields and let my two quarterbacks compete. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of options that are, like, to me, it's not so black and white as either Caleb Williams, the number one pick, or Justin Fields. I think there's a lot of different ways you can go about it where you either keep both or you still take quarterback, but not at one. Or, you know, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of different paths here that is not so much like one or the other choose. Yeah, that's fascinating. Okay. I mean, Ryan Poles is, has hit a home run so far with what he did with that draft pick last year. And what what's transpired since has been nothing short of exactly what the Arizona Cardinals wanted to happen with Houston. It just didn't happen that way. It just, it's just fascinating because the Cardinals at three, it's the same kind of thing. I mean, you, I mean, the bears could take Marvin Harrison jr. One overall too. Couldn't they? They could, but I think they would almost certainly trade, try and trade down 
a couple of spots and still get him. You know, if they could get yeah. the Patriots to flip from two to one, just so the Bears could take Harrison at two, like something like that, because it's so valuable to be at number one and to not take a quarterback there. Like you got to get some, you got to squeeze some of that quarterback value out of that spot, even if you're not taking one. Dude, this is the uh, this is the Spider Man meme right now. Us <laughs> pointing at each other. Well, it's the exact same thing I've been talking about, you and, know. But the leverage the Cardinals do not have. And I don't know if, how well Cardinals fans know this, but with the with the Bears trade down last year, the Bears had a deal with the Texans first to swap one and two, and then the Panthers were going to move up to two. But then the Panthers kind of hemmed and hawed at the end, and so the Bears or no, the Texans hemmed and hawed, and so the Texans backed out, and the Bears just did the deal straight with the Panthers. But the Bears were going to go one wow. to two and then down, so it would have been the Bears with that Texans pick, and maybe the Cardinals wouldn't have got the Texans pick, and it would have been a whole different. Like, there was a lot of different wow. ways that could have gone that where the Texans pick would have been in Chicago's and not Arizona's. Wow. <laughs> well, thank you, Monty. Yes. Thank you, Monty Austin, for it for. Just I'm urinating in the Cheerios of that deal. Maybe he made that happen. So Yeah, you never know. Yeah. So on that note, we'll wrap up our crossover yeah. Thursday. Alex, it's been a blast. Make sure yeah, make sure if you're listening to this podcast that you're subscribed to Locked on Bears or Locked on Cardinals, wherever you get podcasts. Coming back tomorrow as we get you ready for Sunday's game. And, of course, on Monday we'll break it all down for you. Well, it's Christmas Day. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Either way, <laughs> keep it locked on your favorite Locked on podcast, and we will talk to you again tomorrow.